Good afternoon, everyone. G'day. There's a bunch of you here who I haven't met before. Thank you for being here. It's lovely to, it's lovely to see you. Please come and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to get to know you. Um, we are in week two of our dysfunctional Christmas series. Uh, it's uh, been a little bit of fun, and we're, we're going to continue with the fun tonight, thinking through um, Christmas debt a little bit. Um, Chris, and b- Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas. We are nearly there. It is not far off. Uh, one thing about Christmas, I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if you've looked at your bank balance lately. Uh, <laughs> Christmas can be expensive. Um, and in fact, actually, there's, there's, there's parts of the world where Christmas is actually synonymous with debt. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you sort of have, have actually thought much about it, but people end up using their credit card to cover their Christmas's expenses quite a lot and end up having to pay it all back with a quite a lot of interest. Um, in England, the stats are that 9 out of 10 people with significant debt problems suffer from mental health problems. 9 out of 10 Nine out of ten. You end up in serious debt, it will mess with your head. Depression, debilitating anxiety, the kind of symptoms that they were talking about in this article that I read. Now, this is England. You might say they're all a little bit strange anyway, but this is, this is, this is a nine out of ten. It affects your family life if you're in debt. It affects your sleep if you're in debt. It affects your mood if you're in debt because you're waiting for the hammer to fall, right? You're waiting for, for that shameful letter that... I'm about to lose my house letter, that I'm about to lose my job letter. You're, you're waiting for the hammer to fall. And, and it doesn't, in fact, it doesn't actually have to be financial. I've, I've, I don't know if you've experienced this, but maybe you felt socially in debt to someone, like you, you owe someone a favour. Maybe something that you haven't delivered at work that you should, or a family obligation. That can mess with you too. That's a lot of pressure. Have you ever rocked up to Christmas at your family Christmas gathering and felt like you haven't done, you haven't been a very good family member somehow for some reason. So you're not sort of validly there because somehow you don't feel like you've really quite done what you should have done and you're scared of your social debt. Maybe you're scared of your spiritual debt. Maybe you rock up at church and you are a little bit concerned because you feel like maybe as soon as, well, sinner as bad as me, if I walk into the church, the roof will cave in. You know, you're sort of thinking that God is actually going to well, ask more of you than you can give, more than you've got in your spiritual bank balance. So the consequences of being in debt are significant. You get stressed. I know people are really stressed walking into church buildings for things like this. And this Christmas, I want to invite you to get out of debt. That's God's gift for you this Christmas, is actually to be debt-free. And we're going to have a bit of fun in how we tackle this one today. This is not our normal way that we do things, but the beauty of living 2,000 years after Jesus is that we're not just working out this this Christian thing. We're not just sort of reading the Bible for the first time. Theology wasn't invented in the last 100 years. We have got the Catholic Church, (laughs) the uh, the last 2,000 years of human history, um, the Protestant Church, all these different people, these giants on whose shoulders that we stand. Now, you've got guys like Luther, Calvin, and some of the giants of sort of this partic- our particular tradition. But one of the giants on whose shoulders those two great men stood, one of their heroes, is this guy, a guy named Anselm, Anselm of Canterbury. We're going we're gonna to meet Anselm today, and we're going to hear a little bit about a book that he wrote, and that's how we're going to tackle our Christmas debt. Because when it comes to Christmas and debt, Anselm literally wrote the book. Um, so we're going to meet this guy who uh, Luther and Calvin stood on Anselm's shoulders and we're going to stand on their shoulders and understand how it is that Christmas has actually got something to do with debt. Now, Anselm, he was born in Italy. 
Italy in 1033 AD, about a thousand years ago. And eventually he becomes the head of the church in England the Archbishop of Canterbury. So on getting the job, he proceeds as, I don't know if this is an Italian thing, but gets into a fight with the King William II and actually manages to get himself exiled from the country. (laughs) So we know him as Arch Anselm of Canterbury, but he spent most of his life in exile in Italy. But he didn't do nothing there. This guy was very busy. He's a smart boy, our Anselm, super smart. Got himself in trouble with the ladies, did some dumb stuff, but he was very, very, very exacting in his theology. And he had been taught this thing about what happens at the cross, and he was buzzing over it. So Mark 10.45 here. The son came to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what he'd been taught, that, the, that at the cross, Jesus paid a ransom. So think verses like, you know, like this, Mark 10.45. And, and the question that I want to put into your head for the rest of the talk is, who did he pay? So if Jesus is paying a ransom at the cross, who did he pay the ransom to? Who's the kidnapper? Who's the one that the money was given to? So in one sense, this is actually kind of, there's actually really two questions. What is owed and who was it owed to? Now, Anselm himself, again, as we said, was standing on other people's shoulders. He'd read a couple of guys named Origen and Gregory of Nyssa, and they'd had a crack at answering this question. And... Do you want to know the answer, what they thought? Because this is an interesting answer, right? They said that the ransom was paid to the devil. Oregon and Gregor, that was their thought. Work with me. God pays the devil and redeems back the slaves from Satan's kingdom. There's there's a logic here, isn't it? If you've ever read the uh, the Narnia books, Narnia books, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, You're going there. Good work. Good reader of the scripture and Narnia. So we've got the the evil witch comes to the noble Aslan and says, this boy, so there's this young boy who's done some wrong things. He's betrayed his family. I'm the queen of evil. So therefore, by the rules of the deep magic, he belongs to me because he's evil. He is mine to kill. So she's got the right to Edmund's life because he's a bad guy and she's the lord of all bad guys. So... This is how it works. And you might know how C.S. Lewis solved the problem in his book. Aslan, the great lion, offers his life as payment to buy Edmund's life back. So you can see how C.S. Lewis has picked up this idea that the devil has rights over sinners and requires payment before he'll hand them over. What do you reckon? Got some uncertainty, shaking of the head, not too many big nods. See, Anselm had a thought about this, and he decided he was, he was iffy too. He, he, he was not keen about this. And he dug deeper to answer this question, what is owed and to whom is it owed? So he starts reading. Uh, he starts reading verses like Romans 6.6, 6, okay? Um, we know that our old self is crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And he starts hearing that, slaves to sin, starts thinking. See, the Bible never says that the devil has a right to control us and make us sin. Like, it's not, it's not as if the devil owns people who aren't Christians and, and, you know, he gets to do with them what he wants in the heavenly, you know, sort of the heavenly law, law courts. It's like, well, he owns them. He can do what he likes, I guess. We're libertarian, spiritually speaking, so the spirits who own the bad guys can do whatever they want with their property. See, the devil doesn't actually rule people, even those who are actually under his power. 
What's really happening is that the devil tempts people, but it's their sin that they end up enslaved to. God has no set of rules where he has to respect the devil's property rights over the people that he's influencing. And so people might have made themselves de facto slaves to the devil by listening to him when he tempts them, but no one actually has an obligation to do what he says. So it's kind of like the difference between playground bully and the government. Okay, playground bully and the government. Only one of them has got any legal rights over you. Okay, playground bully's got no legal rights to tell you what to do. The government does, but they both end up with your pocket money, right? <laughs> okay, and the devil's more like the playground bully. People give in to him. But he's got no right to make them, says Anselm. So we can rule out that answer to the question, what is owed to whom? Anselm says, we don't owe the devil anything. So who do we owe? Well, Anselm started with the obvious. And he, in his theological thinking, he stepped through. He said, well, look, God made me, so he does have the right to decide what I do. So every time I decide to do something that's against God's will, Anselm said, ah, I'm stealing something from God. And that, says Anselm, is a debt when I steal something from God. See, the big problem isn't what, it's not that God owes the devil something, it's what humanity owes to God, says Anselm. That's the who. That's the who. Now the what. What do humans owe God? And Anselm's answer was one perfect life. One life of obedience, complete obedience. Tough ask. Sounds, pretty, sounds, sounds a little rough, but that said, I mean, I think Anselm's got some, um, got some uh, backup for this, that humans owe their God a, 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 a good life. I mean, he's looking at verses like Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem, because let's say that today, let's say that today I started giving God what I owe him. Every day for the rest of my life. I'm, I, I, I read that verse, I hear what Anselm's saying, and I'm freaking out. So, so every day of the rest of my life, I, I, I live perfectly. The problem that I've got is, how am I going to pay for every day leading up to today? For that debt, I, I could do some more good things. Well, no, I owe them to God anyway. <laughs> Doing more good things isn't going to help. I could donate a lot of the money to the church. Well, that's just God's money. I'm just giving back to him. You see, the, the thing that Anselm was saying is that when you're scrounging around in your life, scrounging around in your wallet, scrounging around in your metaphorical wallet of your whole life to give God something, to find something you could give him, everything has already got stamped on it, property of the king, on loan to you. And so no human can pay their debt, said Anselm. We simply do not... We, we don't have the currency to do it. So, so uh, let's take an example. Let's take an example. Someone who's, someone who's really, you know, good, like a, a, a good person in our congregation. I won't name too many names. Like you could go with Tim maybe. You know, maybe you'd say Sam. Maybe you'd say Shelly Ann. I don't know. Gorgeous George. Here we go. George. He, this guy, right, George. He, we, okay, George is not perfect. I'm sure if you ask Hannah and Joel, you'll find out he's not exactly perfect, but... I reckon, seriously, a little beautiful baby like this has got to be about as close to sinless as we could imagine a human to be, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like, like, what's he got to pay off right now? Like, seriously, he's, 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 he's done a good job of being a baby so far. Now, imagine if he keeps going. Imagine if George stays perfect every day of his life. No, no sins, no wrong things to be done. If somehow one person was able to live debt-free, never offending God, you think, oh, this is, this is good. first of all going to be an incredibly powerful person, person who could do all sorts of things. But the question is, could this person save a sinful person? Could, could, could George's perfection deal with someone else's debt? Well, in Anselm's thinking, the answer, of course, has actually got to be no. Because his bank balance is zero. He's flat. It's in the black, but it's, 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 it's flat. He's debt free, but he doesn't have enough credit to make a phone call. See, no human being has anything which can pay the debt of another, not even a perfect human being. Now, this leaves humanity in something of a pickle, but we've still got, at least as Anselm sort of lays out the theologies, he puts the logic together, we've still got one hope. Maybe God will pay off our debt. Maybe God will foot the bill himself. Now, this sounds generous. This sounds good, like our God. But Anselm says, no, no, that will not work. You might not have, you might not have expected me to say that. But Anselm says, no, God can't pay the debt because the debt is fin- it's not financial, it's personal. It's a personal debt. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say that one week I forget to take... <laughs> one week. One week I forget to take the bins out. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, the, it's, it's bin day. They're not at the curb. They, we miss out on getting the bins collected. Um, Mel comes, you know, uh, later in the week and uh, Fiotti's been taking the bins out, the bins out longer and longer and longer and he opens it up and it's just maggots. It's just wrong. I'm not saying this from experience at all. But it's just wrong. Um, and, and, and it's awful, okay? Now, if one of you guys, this is me, this is on me, right? I've, I've done this. I'm in the doghouse. Now, if one of you guys came and brought Mel some flowers, gave her some chocolates to try and make up for what I'd done, well, my, Mel, might, Mel would probably appreciate it. It might make her feel a bit better. But, it, but you could bring her flowers. You could bring her chocolates all week. I, there's, I'm still sleeping on the couch, <laughs> right? Because, because it's my dad. It's personal. It was a lack of love. It was, it, was, it was all these things that make it personal and matter between us. It doesn't matter what... It's not like all that mattered was just some flowers needed to come. This is a personal affront, a relational debt. Something is between two people in their relationship. And that's the problem. It's personal. And Anselm says, God's not a liar. He's not going to pretend that you haven't done anything to him. He's not going to pretend that actually you haven't ignored him. In Exodus 34, um, God talks about uh, for a, a few verses, like it's just this beautiful, incredible set of verses about how gracious he is, how much he'll forgive his people. And, and you just, it's just one, like a, a purple passage of Scripture, just this, this grace and love and forgiveness. And then at the end, um, oh, sorry, I've got the wrong, oh, where is it? Oh, no, sorry. So, there's, there's, there's verses of this kind of stuff, right? But then at the end, it's actually verse 7. I put up the wrong verse, sorry. But I will by no means clear the guilty. I'll repay the iniquity of the fathers. 
And so here's the crux of Anselm's problem. God says, I'm going, to hold, I'm going to call humanity to account. Humanity cannot pay its debt, but we're the only ones who should. A non-human trying to make up for humanity's complete offence to God, it just wouldn't be right. It's like someone else trying to buy flowers for Mel to get me out of trouble with the bins. I mean, okay, uh, World Cup is happening. Tonight is the final. France versus Argentina. Um, I want you to imagine, minutes before the game, someone's been doing some investigative journalism, right? You've got uh, Lionel Messi here. Oh, it's cut his head off. Don't know why. Sorry about that. Lionel Messi's lower half, at least, is there. And that's the only half he really needs to play the game. He's not scoring many headers. Um, so he's there, and, and the, the French team are lining up, and someone's done some investigative journalism, and they have, they have double-checked on Messi's passport. Apparently, his lineage was wrong. Apparently, Lionel Messi was actually French. Imagine the eve of the World Cup final tonight. He couldn't represent Argentina anymore because he's not Argentinian. He couldn't represent them because he's not one of them. He's a frog. He's a Frenchman. Do you see the point? God can't pay the sin for humanity. A human needs to. And so God became human. You see, for Anselm, this is the solution. Christmas is the key to everything. Us humans are the only ones who should pay our debt, but God, not humans, are the only one who, is the only one who can. And so Anselm argued we need a God-man to pay our debt. We need God himself to become one of us, not just to be like us, but to be totally one of us, to be so able to identify with you and me that he can stand before God and, and, and say, I'm one of them. In fact, to say, I'm their captain and I'm their representative and I'm going to stand between you, the referee, and, and the rest of my team. Otherwise, it would be wrong that he would pay our debt. The debt wouldn't be his. But if God became a human, a real flesh and blood and bleary-eyed in the morning and angry when he gets tired, human then he is one of us and he could take on his shoulders the punishment for all of us. Just as Messi represents the hopes and dreams of 45 million Argentinians because he's one of them and he is their captain, their representative. So Jesus is able to carry the hopes and dreams of 8 billion humans because he is one of us. He's our captain. Being God makes him able to pay the debt and being one of us means that it's right for him to pay it because he is a part of us. Anselm had these two little extra things that he, he kind of put in there that were quite helpful. Um, you might have noticed that I, I haven't been saying Jesus was one of us. I keep saying that he is one of us. Um, you might not have realized this, but Jesus is actually now still human. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament says that's why Jesus can actually still continue to be our captain, our representative in heaven. He's the ambassador for humanity in the heavenly court as the representative of humanity, putting petitions before his father for the sake of his fellow men and women. That's what he does. He's on our side because he's one of us. And so if you've asked Jesus to do this, to be your captain, that's what he's doing right now for you. That's what, that's what Jesus lives to do now, to actually represent you to God and to tell God, yes, no, I've paid 
for that one. That guy, he's coming to you. Yeah, he's allowed in. He's fully paid up. He's in the black. He has, he has no outstanding debts. It's a beautiful thing. But Anselm also wanted to make sure that we didn't miss this other thing, that Jesus is still God too. He didn't become human and stop being God. He remains the all-powerful God of the universe who made you and me and the chair that you're sitting on and the air that you're about to breathe in. Because if he's only human, even a perfect human, he can't pay for anyone else's debt. He needed to be both. And so this was Anselm's thing. Christmas. He loved Christmas because at Christmas we celebrate the coming of a God-man. You don't have a hope without a God-man. I am stuffed without a God-man. I mean, at Christmas time, stockings might be stuffed, but we are stuffed without Christmas. Now, look, financial debt isn't the only cause of stress and mental illness. Like we said before, guilt of the wrong things we've done. Our, our sense of spiritual debt could, can plague us. Maybe you've been dishonest financially. You've cut off a relative because of a dispute and you refuse to work it out with them. The continual hollowness of soul that accompanies addictive behaviours. And maybe, maybe you're feeling the spiritual debt to God. Or maybe you're actually not. See, maybe you're not feeling a spiritual debt to God and that's actually what you need to hear from Anselm today. Uh, maybe you're living, it up, you're living life spiritually on a credit card. I can do what I want when I got this. I can rack up all the debt and it's okay without a care in the world, not realising that there's actually an accountant at the other end that God is keeping account. He sees how you treat him and he cares. Christmas is beautiful because Christmas is God's offer to become someone who can pick up your account. And Jesus in that manger is God come to take, to be, represent you. Now look, if you, if, you have, if you have done that, if you have asked Jesus to square your ledger, I hope you feel as free and liberated as you really are because he has cancelled your debt. You actually can look forward to life. Even if you actually have real, actual financial debt and you're feeling ashamed because of that or you're feeling like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to me because of that, your future is secure and you will not end up shamed. For starters, your church family is going to help you through it here and now, but on the last day, you'll be declared in the black. There'll be no record of you having been a bankrupt or, or incapable of handling your finances or any of these things. You'll have the glory of being a member of the household of God, a part of the royal family. Money will not be a problem for you. It's a beautiful thing. You'll be in the black with God. And that's worth celebrating at Christmas. But join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your church people throughout history who have thought hard about these things and asked us to think about our lives in a different way, a different angle. Father, we do owe you the, the glory and respect and response of thankfulness and honouring you and worshipping you that, that comes with just you made us and you love us and you're our God. So Lord, we just thank you for the ridiculous thing that you did because you, you couldn't even just forgive us. It would have been wrong. You went to such incredible lengths, weird almost, just, just strange lengths of coming to this earth and, and inconvenient lengths of living and growing up and you walked through all of this. So not just 
so that, you know, we could feel like, oh, God can relate to us. But Lord, because that was what it took to justly and rightly and appropriately have you be able to take our debt on your shoulders to pay it off. And so, Lord, we just pray that if we, if we were feeling like our guilt was weighing on us here when we came, or if we didn't even realize we had a debt of guilt, we're feeling fine. Lord, that we would feel the joy of being debt-free, discharged bankrupts with not, completely in the black with you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.